0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. between the goodness of God and the serpent in the garden tempting the first man and the first woman and ever since then throughout Scripture and throughout the history of the world we see these two opposites we see the goodness that is of God that is God himself and we see the absence of goodness or evil which sadly many people choose instead of God or as a replacement for God and So the Christian life is full of contrasts and even in our liturgical calendar We see these contrasts Uh, For example recently we celebrated the great feast of Pentecost and we commemorated the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the Holy Virgin Mary and the Holy Apostles and the church and the believers and we meditated and reveled uh, on the joy of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can come into a human being who is dry and give him life and cause him to bear much fruit, uh, to give him the fruit of, of patience, long-suffering, and love, and all of that beautiful list that St. Paul gives us twice in his epistles. And so we see that we celebrated the Holy Spirit, and we remembered His work on the Feast of Pentecost. But then in today's Gospel, we have something different. today's Gospel, we have an example of those who reject the work of the Holy Spirit. Those who saw our Lord Jesus Christ performing this great miracle and healing this man who was paralyzed, blind, and mute, and they said, you cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. They denied the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our Lord gave them a very stern warning. He told them that anyone who speaks against the Son of Man, against Christ even, he will be forgiven, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. It seems like a very strong warning even to our ears today. But it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because if a person denies the Holy Spirit, he denies the very one who reconciles us to God, the very one who enables us to know God and to be close to God, the one who moves us to repentance. If we deny him and we deny his power, then how can we ever repent? And if we never repent, how can we be saved? The Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ, but if we deny Him, then how can we be like Christ? And if we cannot be like Christ, then how can we be saved? And so our Lord said, makes a lot of sense, that he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, this is the one who denies the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we deny the work of the Holy Spirit, then we can never be like Christ. And if we can never be like Christ, then we cannot be saved, because our salvation is through Christ and his life-giving work. So hopefully that makes sense, and now we understand what our Lord meant when he said that he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, because he denies the very one who offers and moves us towards forgiveness. But from all of this, I hope it's clear that we see the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to transform us and to help us be transfigured into the likeness of Christ without which there is no salvation. But there are people who reject the work of the Holy Spirit as we see in today's Gospel. And sometimes even we unwillingly or maybe willingly reject work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, maybe there are times in our lives where we don't want to be like Christ, times when we don't want to salvation, we don't want to be changed. And if the true goal of the Christian life is for us to acquire the Holy Spirit, then it's possible for us at times to turn away from this goal and to repel the Holy Spirit. How do we repel the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a, a few examples that we should um, take care about and make sure that we don't do these things in our lives, because doing them repels the holy, the work of the Holy Spirit, and repels uh, His presence uh, in our lives. Uh, first of all, one way that we, in which we can repel the Holy Spirit, is to choose what we want over obedience to God. Our Lord said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. This is what our Lord said. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. But sometimes we rationalize this. Sometimes we say, yes, our Lord said this, but we can't be extreme. We can't be extreme in things. We can do things in moderation. And this, actually, this mindset, is something that's really embedded in the modern world. You know, our country was founded by a group of colonists who rebelled against their king. They said, no more, King George, and they declared independence. And many of the Christians in this country are children of that man who, in the 16th century, rebelled against the authority of the Catholic Church and said, I can be my own spiritual guide. This is the fruit of the Protestant Reformation. And when you think about this, you think about we're living in a country that declared independence, and most Christians around us are living a more independent type of of faith, it makes a lot of sense that our rights, or our mentality today, is really formed by this idea that we have rights and we have self-sovereignty, and we have independence, and we can choose our own path. This is really the mindset of the world today. And in some cases, it works really well. In some cases, we need that mindset, but not all the time. Not all the time, especially not in our faith. Whenever we we are faced with the choice of choosing our way, or choosing God's way, we must choose God's way. We must choose God's way. We don't choose simply what feels right to us. Confession when it feels right. Fasting when it feels right. Going to the divine services when it feels right. Uh, love for our enemies when it feels right. We do these things oftentimes on our terms, my terms when I want to, when I feel like I have to, but this is not what the Lord wants from us. In our faith, in our spiritual lives, the Lord wants obedience. Think about this idea of doing things on on my terms. If we had a new job, and we had a supervisor, and we told him, I'm going to do the work you ask me, but on my terms, how long would we have that job? Probably not very long. Same thing, for example, with parents. If parents heard their children always telling them, I will do my chores and why you ask me, but on my terms. It probably wouldn't be a peaceful home. And sadly, actually, that's why we see a lot of homes lack peace, because of that very reason. We have to understand that there are things in life that we must do for the sake of obedience, because obedience brings us close to Christ. Obedience is a work of the Holy Spirit. And there are times where we have to just be unyielding in our obedience, especially in the matters of our faith and the matters of our salvation. So the first way we repel the Holy Spirit in our lives is by abandoning obedience, and instead choosing what I want, when I want. That really is the first way That we repel the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The second way is to reject discipleship. To reject discipleship and replace it with convenience. And this is another very common modern pitfall. If you look at the icons all around us in the church, they all portray saints. These are men and women uh, who were excessive, we would say, in modern modern sense. They were excessive in their pursuit of the gospel. These saints tasted the sweetness of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they desired more, and they pushed continually for more of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the way they did this is a lifestyle called discipleship. Discipleship. We don't hear that word a lot these days, again, because we are so self-sufficient but discipleship is necessary for salvation and for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a lifestyle of renouncing selfishness. It's a lifestyle of regular prayer, the study of Holy Scripture, participating in as many divine services as one can, mindfully preparing for the Holy Mysteries, and loving even the unlovable, practicing the love that our Lord Jesus Christ speaks about in the Gospel. This is the life of discipleship, and it is the life that brings us closer to the Holy Spirit. But if we don't want to be close to the Holy Spirit, then we choose instead convenience. And convenience is really doing what I want, when I want, but having a vague sense of of spirituality. These are sadly the people we oftentimes hear who say, I don't go to church, but I'm spiritual. I don't go to church and participate in any of the mysteries, but I have my own relationship, this vague spiritual kind of relationship with God, or at least they have it in their minds. But this is convenience, and it is not discipleship. This convenience involves working not hard at all. It involves, again, doing what I want, when I want, hiding behind our busyness, hiding behind our laziness, hiding behind these things so that in the end, really, we're doing what we want, when we want. But this is not the the lifestyle of discipleship. Discipleship requires significant effort. The work of a Christian is significant effort. And we have to remember that. That's the first rule of the spiritual life, Because if you don't know that going in, then you don't know what you should be working towards. You don't know how hard you should be working. But it's important to know that the Christian life is a Christian life of work. Even the liturgy, even here this morning, you think about the work that we've done. Someone came very early this morning and worked with his hands. He gave up sleep and he worked with his hands to bake the Orban that in the liturgy, and someone somewhere worked very hard to make the wine to crush the grapes and so that we could have this wine. And the bees worked very hard so that we could have these candles on the altar. And someone worked very hard somewhere so that we have the oil that we have in the vigil lamps. And all of us hopefully worked very hard to repent and to pray and to prepare for today's liturgy. To rebel against having more sleep and come early this morning, and to sing, and to worship God, and to love each other here in the community, and to stand, and to kneel, and to lift up our hands. The liturgy is work. That's why it's called liturgy. It's the work of the people. The liturgy is work, and this liturgy is maybe a microcosm of the whole Christian life. It is work. And so one way brothers and sisters that we repel the holy spirit is by rejecting this word which is the life of discipleship. We cannot reject this if we want to be near the holy spirit and see his fruit in our lives. Maybe a third way of rejecting the holy spirit is rejecting love. And by love I don't mean the emotional kind of love that we oftentimes hear about in today's society. I mean gospel love. What's the difference between emotional love and gospel love? Gospel love has little or nothing to do with your emotions. Sometimes we confuse the two. Sometimes we think that the love that our Lord Jesus Christ preaches means that I have to feel warm and fuzzy about everyone, even my enemies. But that is not gospel love. Gospel love, on the other hand, is wishing the highest good for the other. It's wishing the highest good for the other. And there are times when that comes with warm and fuzzy feelings, which is great. But there are other times when it's a struggle to wish that for the other person. And you have to struggle to practice this gospel love. But this is the kind of love that our Lord commands us to have. Gospel love, not emotional love. And I think really, from my years as a priest, I think a lot of us struggle spiritually because we've confused the two. One of the most common things I hear when people come in prayer is, Abuna, I don't pray because I don't feel anything. But my question to them always is, who told you that you have to feel something? Who said this was a necessary requirement of prayer? Sometimes we feel something and it's great, it's wonderful. But sometimes we pray even when we don't feel anything. And that is fine. Because your need to pray is greater than your need to feel something. Your need for prayer is greater than your need for an emotional experience. And this is why I think many of us struggle. Gospel love is different gospel love is loving the person even when they are unlovable by wishing for them the highest good and doing to them as you would want done to yourself, even and especially when you don't feel like doing this. That is gospel love. And this is the kind of love that our Lord Jesus Christ commands us to have. It is an off-the-chart, unrealistic love that no one could do with his own or her own human power. But with God, nothing is impossible. This is the law of God. And so we are called to forgive even the unforgivable. I've been telling this story recently. A story came to mind. Uh, It's written in one of the memoirs of a a woman who was in a Nazi concentration camp. She was Dutch. Uh, And she was not a Jew, but she hid Jews in her home, uh, along with her sister, and she was caught by the SS. And she was arrested and taken with her sister to a concentration camp. And then, because of some clerical error, she was actually freed, and she was let go from this camp. But sadly, her sister didn't make it. Her sister was sent to the gas chambers, and there she died. And this woman, she was a devout Christian, and you see her bravery, even while the war was still going on, in the last weeks and months of the war, she went back to Germany. She didn't take refuge in her own country, but she went back to Germany, and she started preaching in the churches to the Germans. And she preached about forgiveness, and she told them, God will forgive you for all of the atrocities that you have turned your eye toward. God will forgive you even these things. And as she was giving this talk in one of the churches, a man got up and started walking towards her in front of everyone. And initially she didn't recognize him, but by the time he got to her, she recognized him. He was the officer that processed her and her sister in the concentration camp, and he is the one that ordered them to strip naked because that's how they process the prisoners. And she remembers feeling very ashamed in front of him. And she also remembered that he is the one who gave the order for her sister to be executed in the gas chamber. And this officer now is in front of her in the church. And he extended his hand toward her and said, Fraleen, you spoke about forgiveness. Do you forgive even me? And she writes in her memoirs that that moment, those few seconds, seemed like an eternity to her. But she extended her hand, and she said, once I touched his hand, all of a sudden I felt something. And I felt that I knew God more at that moment than I had ever known him. And I felt the true meaning of forgiveness as she said to him, brother, I forgive you with all my heart. This is gospel love. This is forgiving the unforgivable. And it may be, as she says in her memoirs, that she still struggled with that in her heart. It's hard, of course, she still has the memories of what he did and how he is the one responsible for killing her sister, but at the same time, she extended her hand and she forgave him. This is the gospel love that our Lord commands. And if we want to be close to the Holy Spirit, We have to embrace this kind of love in our lives. We have to forgive even the unforgivable. And so brothers and sisters, these are three ways in which sometimes we repel the Holy Spirit in our lives whether willingly or unwillingly. We repel him by rejecting obedience. We repel him by embracing instead of the life of discipleship, and we repel him by uh, rejecting gospel love in our lives. Let us not do these things. Let us be mindful of these things so that we can have the Holy Spirit continually working in our lives. One of the Eastern Orthodox saints said, the goal of the Christian life is to acquire the Holy Spirit the goal of the Christian life is to acquire the Holy Spirit. And the reason why he said this is because the Holy Spirit transforms us. He transfigures us. He brings us more into the likeness of Christ. And so if the goal of life is to acquire the Holy Spirit, it's to be transformed by Him. So let us open our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit and not be like those people in today's Gospel who rejected and blasphemed against the Holy Spirit so that he can work in our lives and we can be in the likeness of Christ and be with him for all eternity. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.